Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper Podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and with me this evening, all the way from across my home, is my (laughs) beautiful wife, Joanna. So uh, this evening, we were going to have a friend of mine from Texas join us, my buddy Elijah. He ended up coming down with a little bit of the flu, so we're going to have him come on next week. So I called my wife and asked her if she wanted to join me on the podcast tonight, and uh, we were chit-chatting about what we wanted to talk about, and she suggested the topic of church church attendance for the Christian. So uh, Joanna had some questions. Uh, we're going to go over some Bible verses and just kind of get into the topic. So uh, tell me, uh, sweetie, where do you want to start? What was your what were your thoughts? Sure. Well, I've noticed that uh, you've got a lot of people that will they seem to go to church on a regular basis, and then mm-hmm. you have other Christians that go once in a while and some never seem to go at all Mm -hmm. what i wanted to go over is the starting point would be what does the bible have to say about it are there verses that go over how we're supposed to handle our church attendance okay so yes there are uh but i'll be honest with you before we jump into that i guess my my question for you is this when people seem to think of church, what would they call church? How would they define that? Because you see, if they're not defining it the Bible way, then maybe they are going to church every week. Okay, that's a great point, because I do see that from time to time. You ever hear someone tell you that? Yes. I'm doing church. All the time. I see it all over social media, picture of the outdoors, and people will say... I decided to go to church today. Yeah. And there's a picture of yep. the Hiking, whatever. skiing. Right. So, well, then I guess I would ask you, how does the Bible define church? All right. So let me ask you this. How does the Bible define church? <laughs> You're asking me? Okay. So <laughs> I was what, asking you. So when we... When we get into the Bible, you run into two definitions, and unfortunately, people lean on one of those two definitions heavily. So what you have is what people incorrectly think of when we talk about church, and that is what I call the universal invisible church. And realistically, that should be called the body of Christ. So, um, and... More accurately, I think it should be called the Bride of Christ. So one thing you find when you're reading through the Bible, especially when we're talking about uh, uh, eschatology, okay, the study of the end times, we read about the rapture that we're all waiting for, and poof, the Lord's going to bring us all up to heaven with him. When he does that, he is bringing with him to heaven the church. Okay? right. So... It is reasonable to call every saved person on earth the church. There's nothing wrong with that, but it is misleading if you don't go any further than that. God calls us the bride of Christ, and when the rapture happens, he is coming back to get his bride. We go up to heaven. There is the marriage supper of the Lamb, so it's a kind of wedding celebration, and that is the picture of the relationship between Christ and the individual Christian, right? The husband and the wife, okay? The bridegroom and the bride. People seem to lean heavily on that definition as church, and they completely ignore the other one. The other definition of church is the local church. It is a local body of believers that corporately worship, so they get together and they worship God together, There is a membership, there are positions, there are offices, there's a pastor, there are deacons. The Bible outlines what the qualifications to be be in one of these positions. Uh, The Bible also talks a lot about the privileges and responsibilities of the local church. And if you don't mind me getting into a little bit of Bible here and kind of trying to explain this, because if people don't except that there is a local church that they're supposed to be a part of, then really whatever you and I discuss today is going to fall on deaf ears because everyone's going to think, 
oh yeah, you know, I am part of the church. You know, I got saved, I got baptized, and then I never talked to or you know hung out with another Christian again for the rest of my life. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm an active member in my church, and it's like no, 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 that's not how it works. So to give you a quick idea, I just wanted to let's see, let's go to Hebrews chapter thirteen, verse seven. And I'm not going to wait for everyone at home to, you know, look this up. But what I am going to do is I'm going to switch over here so whoever's watching us can comment and we can answer their questions. So in Hebrews 13, verse 17, the Bible says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So here we are talking about church leadership, okay, specifically a pastor whose job it is to watch for your soul, and they are going to give an account for the Christians that are under them. The Bible says to obey them that have the rule over you. Now, when we're reading through this we're not going to read the whole chapter we're not going to read the whole book although we're going to pull from hebrews quite a bit we're talking about the church here and my question is does the bible say we are to obey and submit ourselves to leadership in our church that's what it's saying in the the bible verse right there that's what it's saying so on that premise the question is if there is no biblical requirement to belong to a local church, then what leadership should an individual Christian obey and submit to? Mm, government? <laughs> no, I don't know. So, there, yeah, there is no. Well, who's the guy yeah. that you're supposed to submit to? Because the Bible says we're supposed to. Right. So if you're not part of a local church, then can you point to the Christian that you are supposed to submit yourself to, who the Bible says has rule over you? So am I to submit myself to every pastor, elder, or deacon in America? I wouldn't imagine because you're going to get conflicting advice. Obviously so. not. <laughs> That's a ridiculous idea. I don't even know all these guys, and I wouldn't know if I ran into one. It's not like they all wear name tags. So in a... In another way, I also would ask any Christian who wants to know about this idea of church, who will I, as a pastor, give an account for? Because that verse talks about not only that it's the job of the Christian to submit themselves to uh, those that have rule over you, but also the pastor is going to give an account for the Christian. Am I responsible for every Christian in Mesa County as a pastor? I would hope not. Yeah, or every Christian in Clifton, Colorado, right. or every Christian that lives on G Road, or you know, every Christian in the world. So the answer is obviously no. Uh, I'm going to give an account for uh, the teaching, knowledge, and life of those under my care. And those are the people who have joined my church. It's my job to look out for them and do my best to teach them, guide them, help them become more like the Lord. Okay, now I'll give you another one. The Bible in... <laughs> I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Okay, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 12... Uh, Paul is reading the Church of Corinth, the riot act. Okay, so they are messing up really bad. In this text, Paul confronts the church in Corinth for approving of a man walking in blatant, unrepentant sexual sin. Uh, the Corinthians are celebrating this as God's grace because, you know, all this sin, there's that much more grace. So isn't this a great thing? Mm -hmm. And Paul warns them that this type of wickedness shouldn't be mentioned amongst you. Uh, you shouldn't be celebrating. You should be mourning it. He calls them arrogant and tells them to remove this man for the destruction of his flesh and the hopeful salvation of his soul. And in verses 11 and 12, no punches are pulled, as Paul says, But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such a one know not to eat. For what have I to judge them also that are without? Do ye judge them that are within. So now it's my sad experience that most pastors don't even know what this verse means. Or they definitely don't do it in their church. But the point of this is 
it is a form of discipline within the church that the church is supposed to administer to Christians who are just off the rails that are in their church. And the goal is to get them back right with God and back in the church and amongst fellowship with the believers. So here's the thing. If there's not a local church, if you don't have to be a member of that church, then who are you to submit yourself to? Who are the pastors supposed to be responsible for? And how on earth can you be kicked out of something that you're not a member of? So the Bible, unfortunately, like so many topics in the Bible, I think a lot of Christians want like a chapter that's just titled How yeah. Church Works. Right. <laughs> but but the Bible doesn't do that. The no. Bible explains the offices of the church in First Timothy. The Bible talks about church discipline here. It brings up parts about the church everywhere just like it brings up parts about salvation everywhere and baptism everywhere. So you, you, you pull it all together, you know, and you can read from it. So the idea is there is a local church that you need to be a member of. There is a pastor you need to submit yourself to. There is church discipline. There's also church benefits. The, the Bible talks about how the church is responsible to take care of certain people. We are to take care of the widows and orphans. Well, which ones? Am I to take care of the widows and orphans in China? Because I don't know where they are, let alone who they are. Okay, obviously not. I'm not supposed to take care of every Christian on earth. I'm supposed to take care of the Christians that are in my local church. That's where I can start. So people often ignore all of the scripture that talks about a local church with leadership, with responsibilities, with structure, with rules, because they don't want to go to church. Yeah. So they just lean heavily on the whole body of Christ, universal truth, church, every Christian. I'm part of the church. Every Christian is. Okay, well, yes, technically that's true. But can we also talk about this other very real thing that what did Paul do? What is the whole book of Acts about? It's Paul going around and starting churches and leaving people in charge of those churches to be the pastor and then writing letters to that pastor saying, how's it going? You got to do this. Don't forget to do that. Do you have any questions? Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. What What Very is that sad. whole book about? <laughs> you know, and um, that falls in line with all of the Bible reading I've ever done where it's God is, uh, if you're honest and you read from cover to cover, mm -hmm. What you're going to find is he is very organized and he's very specific. It's not just whatever goes. Yes. Lackadaisal, pervasive attitude. Yep. And I've noticed, maybe you've noticed this also, that the our our culture is like that with everything. All of the lines are getting blurred on purpose mm -hmm. throughout every part of life. Genders, you know, you name it. And that seems to be creeping into the Christian's attitude. God, yep. he doesn't have these black and white lines, Yeah, kind of whatever. Everything's gray, everything's fine. It's the phony baloney, yeah. plastic banana, good time, rock and roll Jesus that is just fine with whatever. Right. And it's like... But that's not what the Bible is if yeah. you read it all. He's yeah, he's never, very, he's never like, oh, whatever you want. No. He's Whenever someone specific. comes to him in prayer, God's never like, ah, what, you know, what do you feel like? So, yeah, um, you know, when you read through the Bible and people disobey God and don't do it just as he wants, there's literally times when fire comes down from heaven and consumes them. I was just reading across that Aaron's sons, they Aaron's offered sons strange in fire. Exodus. Yeah, they offered strange fire before the Lord. And it was harsh. He yeah. said, you're not to cry over yep, them. Don't cry. You're don't. not going to mourn. Yep. You're going to just take yeah. the bodies out. You're not even going to have a right. service and bury them. You're it just going to dump them over there. Really yeah. Rough. So, and I mean, what you're describing, the actual outline of this is how church is to function. There's a hierarchy. There's yeah. a structure. Mm -hmm. There's a place to go. That fits totally in line with um, the entire Bible. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here, here is what we're coming down to. So according to a uh, recent Pew study, 
the top three reasons for people not wanting to go to church. That are, was on my list. Why yeah, don't they go? Why don't they go? Okay, so <laughs> this good. is what a study found. This okay. is not my study. This is one that I read. Number one, I practice my faith in other ways. <laughs> okay, nonsense. Uh, number two, uh, there is a general dislike for congregation and religious services. Number three, I haven't found a church or a house of worship that I like yet. Hmm. Have you ever heard this one? I've heard this from a lot of... Yeah, give it to me. Like my outdoorsy, you know, mm-hmm. friends. They don't like organized religion. They'll use that phrase. I don't sure. like organized religion. Okay, so let me ask you a follow-up question, because this is what where we really cut to the quick about it. I think it's a catchphrase they just use. Well, it is. So, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. They're definitely not going to quote the Bible in order to give right. you reasons for not going to church. While everybody might have a reason, and if you, everybody has a reason, it might be a stupid reason, but everyone has something because they don't want to just stand there and go, uh, I don't know. Okay. Cause then they're going to sound like an idiot. So they're going to say something, but whatever the reason people have for not wanting to go to church, the real question we all need to ask ourselves is what does God want me to do? Yeah. It, True. It, because yeah. if we are going to say, well, you know, I don't like it for this or that, and therefore I don't go, okay, well, guess what? You're probably not going to convince those people otherwise. You know, because, that's a great point because it, it is silly just to try to find out from them why don't you want to go and convince them and coax them because it won't work. Yeah. yeah they've already made up their mind. They're probably not the folks that are regularly reading their Bible and praying right. and being, you know, being having their life led by the Word of God. Mm-hmm. So there are several reasons people will come up with for why they don't want to go to church. Can I give you the one? Yeah. Okay. The number one reason people don't want to go to church is because there is authority there. Right. And people (laughs) don't like submitting to authority. And the Bible talks about that, and it talks about that a lot. So just like we are supposed to submit ourselves to different authorities in our life, the government, to God, to our parents when we're younger, you know, the Bible talks about in a marriage, wife to husband, employee to employer. We, we read about all these positions of authority that we are supposed to submit ourselves to. People skip out on the church one because they don't want to do it. They want to... What do we read? Practice my faith in other ways. And really what they're saying is, I don't want to practice my faith the way God says to do it. So I'm going to explain a couple things in the Bible. If you know, And, and stop me at any time. Ask me other questions at any time. Okay. But I just wanted to kind of keep going in this direction as far as reasons to go to church. But did you want to go in a different direction or Not ask yet. other I'll questions? Have, I have a something later on okay go ahead so uh let's just go through a couple of bible verses because the bible says a lot about this so i want to make sure that we get some bible verses out there that talk about it so people aren't just like oh yeah god doesn't care if we go to church yeah he does all right hebrews chapter 3 uh we're going to look at verses 12 and 13 take heed brethren lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living god But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So, in these two verses, we have to ask ourselves, how do we avoid what the Bible lists here as an evil heart of unbelief, departing from the living God, and hardening through the deceitfulness of sin. How do we avoid those things? Well, in these two verses, the Bible says, exhorting one another. So my question for you is, where do you exhort other Christians? Well, I have to be in communication with them at the <laughs> sure, least over be. the phone. Absolutely. <laughs> in so, person. So... Yes, we can have relationships with other Christians. We can do this at other times. Hopefully, we do this at other times outside of church. But the fact is, we are going to have a weekly time where we can catch up with all the people 
that are Christians in our lives. No matter what else is going on in our life, the goal is we have one time a week where we gather corporately. This, you know, we all decided this is the time when we're going to get together. We're going to get together for the purpose of studying the Bible. We can sing to God. We can pray together. We can talk to each other. We can find out how things are going on. And as this portion of the scripture explains to us, we can exhort one another, which helps us avoid all of these bad things. And we can do that at church. And you and I know you can do that whatever day of the week you want. We don't need, our church doesn't meet on Sunday, right? Our church meets on Friday night, which is fine. You can have your church meet whenever you feel like, but every, but you get together and you decide and it's like, okay, here's the time we're getting together and we're going to do it every week. And that way we are accountable to one another. We can encourage one another. We can use the Bible word. We can exhort one another, but it's going to happen at least once a week. There are going to be times in the week where we talk to our friends more often, pray to pray with them, get together for lunch, chit chat with them about whatever, hang out with them on the weekends. But at least we have this one time every week where we're going to get together with them and we're going to have a chance to exhort them. Do we get that model from the fact that Jesus went to his church synagogue? Mm -hmm. It was pretty clear he would go once a week. So where does that come from? We get that all the way back in the book of Genesis. So when you think about it, God created the week to be seven days. Yeah. And there's a reason for it. So God gave us the Sabbath day. So we have the seventh day, which is the day <coughs> of rest. Yeah, okay, on a that weekly basis. You got it. You it's rest. on a weekly basis. Mm. Once a week, okay, he says, in six days, you're going to do your work. You're going to have this one day where you're going to rest. Um, so that gives our life a cycle of seven days and that cycle continues to repeat again and again and again now as we know the jews gathered together on the sabbath day in the synagogues and that was the time that they corporately worshiped and the reason was that's the day they have off so yes it makes sense that the communities would get together this is the day that we all have off so we're going to get together at this time it would be weird for a church to meet on tuesday mornings at 10 right because everyone's working yeah everyone's working now i've run into some bible studies on a tuesday at 10 with some old ladies that are all retired but as far as the whole church getting together, that's why we do Friday night. Obviously, we don't do Friday morning because, again, you know, people are working. But uh, the Jews would do it once a week. They would have the synagogue locally. That was their congregation where they would meet. Uh, they obviously did it a little differently than the New Testament church. But they would do the same thing. They would get a portion of the scripture. They would read it together. They would study it. They would have someone expound on it. These were all things that were done then and that are done still today. So the that was the norm that God founded back in Genesis. That was the norm that we see in the nation of Israel after they leave Egypt and they wander through the desert and they enter into the Can into Canaan land in the book of Joshua when the kings, you know, um, come about uh, we see israel doing the same thing this was all normal regular mm -hmm. then you find that god also breaks down the year into um uh 12 months and you see that you have years and then you have blocks of seven years and these are all different times that repeat and they're for the purpose of remembering certain things but the getting together with other people of like faith it was always on a weekly basis. That gives me two different things I wanted to mention or... Yeah, yeah, bring it up. What do you got? Um, okay, so the, you just made me think of this one. There are... Most churches meet on Sunday, and a lot of people yeah. believe that is now the Sabbath, which sure. it's it's not. Yeah, um, but that's com pretty common for a lot of folks to say is that they say, that's my Sabbath, and it's like, well, the word Sabbath literally means seventh. Well, and so, it's in the Ten you know, Commandments that that yeah. is Saturday <laughs> is the Sabbath. Yeah. And it, it's not, you can't just pick a day and call it Sabbath because it goes Correct. against the It's the definition. seventh day. You can't call a tithe 8%. It's right. not. The, the tithe means tenth. So, so you can't call a tithe 12% right. or 8%. You can't call the Sabbath Monday or Thursday. It's not. You know, it's the seventh day. So... 
I, I get what you're saying. My, so, but anyway, make your point. Tell okay, me what my, you're. My point is, yeah. which I haven't. I'm only asking because I've never found this after reading through yeah. the Bible a little bit. Mm-hmm. The Lord doesn't seem to indicate you're supposed to have your church or synagogue on Sabbath. Does it have to be your? Does it have to be the same day? Your, your rest day and your church day? Or is there no so indication? You'll have people that believe that it does. It has to be yes. on a certain day. Right. I don't in any way whatsoever. Now, with that being said, we as a family keep the Sabbath day, <coughs> which starts on Friday at sundown and goes to Saturday on sundown. And during that time, we don't work. We hang out as family. We read the Bible and pray most of the time. <laughs> eat donuts. Yeah. Pancakes. Um, <laughs> And we start our Sabbath day with a Bible study and corporate worship at our church, which if you lived in Israel, they would call Erev Shabbat, okay, the evening of or the evening prior to. Okay, so the Erev Shabbat is the Sabbath day is broken down into kind of like two portions because with sleep in the middle. So sundown on Friday, it was traditional for every Jewish family to have a family meal together. Okay, they'd light their candles, they would sing a song, they would have a meal, and that was the beginning of the Sabbath day, and some of them would, you know, read scriptures together. Everyone goes to sleep, and then the next day, they would go to temple or go to their, you know, synagogue, and they would corporately worship. So that's where the tradition certainly comes from. And we see that tradition continued through the New Testament, uh, mostly by all the Jews that were getting saved. But you also had all these Gentiles that were getting saved, all of these Greeks. <coughs> and to them, obviously, the Sabbath didn't mean a whole lot because, you know, they did not grow up around it. And what you end up finding out is that very soon after the first century church, Christianity is just absolutely covered in persecution. So at that time, the true church is underground, in hiding. They're being sought out by the pagans. They're being killed by the Jews. They're being killed by the Romans. They're being killed by everybody. So you got to remember that these people were getting together and worshiping God whenever they could. Mm -hmm. I don't think the day of the week mattered at all. And Paul even mentions that as far as, you know, look, uh, days of the week are just that. They're days of the week, okay? Um, We are supposed to uh, worship God every day. We're supposed to pray to God every day. Um, I keep the Sabbath for the purpose of rest. But when you read about the Sabbath day in the Ten Commandments, it says nothing about worshiping God. It says rest. It says don't work. If you want to get into the details out in the weeds, it says don't kindle a fire. Okay, and we're supposed to remember the Sabbath day. So the idea is that we're supposed to remember that God made it, that it's a special day. He is taking it off. Keep in mind. So everyone else that takes off a different day, that's fine. Okay, but God's taken off a certain day every week, every single time. So if you want to hang out with God, this is the day when he's not busy because he's taking this one off. But the, the Bible gives very, very little in the way of how to properly keep the Sabbath. It only gives a couple of commands. And the two big ones are rest and don't work. So I don't see that that says you got to worship God on a certain day. Okay. Other people right. are going to fight and die on that hill. No, and I say go for it. Right. I've talked to everyone under the, you know, the gam- the whole gamut. Yeah. Different days, different. Okay, so can I bring up one more yeah, non-hypothetical situation? No, no, give it to me. And it sounds hypothetical because it's kind of heavy-handed. Oh, okay. Okay. So I've been in churches. We have been in churches mm-hmm. where they have a Sunday morning service, mm-hmm. a Sunday night service, mm-hmm. a Wednesday night service, Sunday school other ministries to boot on different nights. Yeah. And in the same church, we would hear from the pulpit, you need to be in the door, uh, in the church every Whenever time the, the doors, doors are swing open. open. Yeah, sure. Uh, and they use the, 
Don't forsake yourself uh, together. What is it? Hebrews 10, <laughs> which the... we're going to get to sooner or later. Hebrews ten twenty five. Not forsaking yes. the assembling Thank of you. ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Which is certainly good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, so... well, how do you, how can you parse out for yourself between you and God? Yeah. What is he requiring? Okay. What is realistic and reasonable yeah. for me? Okay, so I got into a fight <coughs> at the church you're talking about with the pastor about this because he tried using this verse on me because I told him flat out, I'm not coming anymore on Sunday nights. I'm too busy with family stuff. I'm, I'm behind with everything. I'm going to hang out with the family at home on Sunday nights. And uh, I almost watched his head explode right in front of me. And he used this verse, and I said, okay, um, taking one service of like a half dozen that you have through the week off, I don't think we can call that forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, right? We're not forsaking it. Yeah, forsaking is like you've turned away and you're totally running. Correct. So (laughs) the the person that does not go to church, yeah, that verse applies to them. They have forsaken the assembling of themselves together. That That's what that verse is for. That verse isn't for someone that tries to have a balanced life. So, you know, when we started the Church of Grace, one thing I've said, and I've said it, you know, several times to people that ask, is uh, we meet once a week, and that's all we're going to do. Now, with that being said... Um, if and most folks that are listening, you know enough about me where you know that I'm not a full time pastor. I don't take a salary from the church that can allow me to step away from my full time job. So I'm in construction. I'm a general contractor and I work in construction, you know, five, six days a week. And because of that, uh, I really don't have any more time to have additional services anyhow. I have often thought that if I was, oh, let's say independently wealthy, okay, we win the lottery and I don't have to worry about money anymore, I would probably want to do another meeting some night of the week just for the purpose of uh, kind of more like a class or like an institute Mm -hmm. where it's like, hey, anyone that wants to seriously get into the Bible and study these things a little deeper and really learn more for the purpose of you have a desire to start your own ministry, be a missionary, be a pastor, start a home Bible study, do something like that. You know, I would want to, um, you know, help train those folks. But even then, it's not it would never be, hey, we have another church service and I hope everybody could make it, you know, kind of thing. And here's the reason why. When churches have Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you know, <coughs> um, various other services through the week that you can go to, you know, evenings for the kid, you know, a, a night out of the week for the kids and, and you're you're in church so much and you're kind of living there, What hap- I look at it as a very, very bad thing. And most people, they hear that and they're like, how could going to church so much be bad? Because what it's doing is it's making parents not take their job seriously. And the job of parents is to teach the Bible to their children. And when you're in church three, four days a week, you don't think that you have a role as a parent to teach your kids the Bible, to teach your kids about life, to teach them about anything. You think that I just turned my kid over to the youth group and to the pastor and they're going to do a fine job and I don't have to worry about it. So for me, my goal in our church is that, yes, I do want Christians at the services every week. With that, I tell people constantly because a lot of our people will email me or they'll call me when I send out a weekly email like, hey, we're going to be in this book, you know, read up on whatever for this week's study. I'll have people email me or call me, hey, you know, sorry, I'm going to miss this week. I got whatever family coming in or I got this thing out of town or whatever. And I tell everyone the same thing all the time. 
hey, man, family first. Have fun with your family. That's mm-hmm. great. You're going to be missed. You know, we'll catch up with you next week. Never put a guilt trip on anybody. No. <clears throat> Always tell everyone, hey, that's great that you're doing mm-hmm. whatever. Okay. I do think it's important for people to make a commitment. And it's really important for your kids to see that this is the thing that we do every week because it's important. It might not be fun. We might not feel like going all the time. Okay, but I don't feel like going to work. And as a kid, I didn't feel like going to school all the time. But those things right. were also good for me, along with brushing my teeth and eating vegetables. Right. So I was forced to do it. So I would like to see everyone in church every week. But at the same time, people have a life and people have families. And that's important. But if people are going to take another step it's not to start another church service and then another church service to see how many I can get people to go to. Right. <laughs> the goal is to get fathers to start leading their family from their home and they get to decide how that's best for them. Now, it should include reading some Bible, talking about God in the Bible, okay, some prayer. Obviously, these are elements that should be involved with this. But what I want to do is I want to get the leadership of the home to start taking the reins and inviting the family to come along with them and saying, hey, you know, uh, we are going to start um, studying the Bible together as a family. We can do it after dinner, before we leave the table. We'll clear the dishes and we'll just spend, you know, 15, 30 minutes You know, we're going to read a little bit of the Bible. We're going to talk about it. We're going to pray a little bit. I just want to do something as a family so we can feel like all of us together are trying our best to get in a little bit of Bible, learn about God a little bit, and do it together as a family. That is my dream come true for the Christian that comes to church regularly reads up on what we're talking about, studies on their own, does a little bit of their own homework on the book we're going over. The next step is, you know, do you have a girlfriend? Do you have a wife? Do you have kids? You know, who do you have a mom and dad? You know, do you have brothers and sisters? Can you get together with one other person in your family and make a decision? We are going to start getting into the Bible and, you know, we're going to start doing that on our own. If everyone in America was doing that, we wouldn't need three or four or five church services a week. It's ridiculous. Everybody is doing their job Mm -hmm. and God is speaking to all of them. God is, you know, involved with them. The Holy Spirit is leading them. They don't need to hear from me five days a week. They really don't. Did that answer the question at all? Yeah. Okay. It's great. Great points. Makes a lot of sense. If nothing else... It was long, and I love hearing my own voice. <laughs> well, and that, I was thinking of making a joke. I'm like, if uh, if you're at church all the time, there is no time to uh, train your kids. <laughs> no, there's not. There's really not. You're too busy and tired. You're way too you're busy. Yeah. And, yep. Um, anyway. So, so the there is a church model that is overchurched, too much church, you know, super church. And it, it's, uh, I, I feel like it is hurting a lot of people. And let's face it, a lot of people are busy. A lot of people have work. Kids are in school. Maybe they play a sport. Maybe they're in, you know, if you, if you have a couple of kids that have any extracurricular activity, uh, whether it be 4-H or the bowling team or choir at church, I mean, anything, you are really busy. Yeah. You know, you and your wife both work. You have a couple kids in different grades. They, you know, one's in a play, you know, the other one's doing whatever. You're already really busy. That's very hard to try to fit in three or four church services in a week. And honestly, I just think it's stupid. I think it's anti-biblical and I think it's just flat stupid. Now, keep in mind, I'm the only independent Baptist that I know that will say that on record on the internet hmm. regularly. But it is. It's totally anti-Bible. The Bible is about families. The family started back in Genesis, you know, chapters 1, 2, and 3. Okay, the church didn't come around until Pentecost after Christ died. So the whole book is about families. Families is how Christianity moves forward, not through the church. I did notice that attitude and that effect when you have a church that's really heavy-handed on Uh attendance and your time Someone put it a really good way. In those, that model flips everything 
uh, on its side or backwards where church is supposed to help the uh, the church member. Yes. Not the church member isn't for the organization the service of, of the, the church. church. Yep. So when you have so many services, it kind of becomes the opposite. Yeah. And one of the things that isn't brought up that much is that, guess what? We need people to serve in yeah, positions exactly. for every one of that's, these church services. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. They become there to feed the organism. Yes. It's not there to feed them. Yeah. It's more of a bureaucracy yeah. than a help, than a servant of the people. So you need more <laughs> ladies working in the nursery and you need more fellas singing in the choir and you need more dudes, you know, passing out visitor cards and you need more, you know, so you need more and more and more. It's the matrix. You get plugged in and suck <clears throat> the life out of you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's so that's terrible thing to say but yep, i get it um well so i don't know how much how long we've we're gone, doing fine we got another to, 20 minutes okay. I, I you know i figure we'll go for so, the hour okay i have like i said earlier i know people that are in every state mm-hmm. um they're going to church regularly they come hit or miss or it's not a priority at all to them christians yeah or so-called they call yeah, themselves sure so could you give a good case for what would be the blessings of going and what would be the hmm, detriment? What are you doing to yourself by not making it a priority? Sure. And what are the things you could reap in your life by going, just committing? I'm going to go as often as I can All right. weekly unless I'm sick or sure. whatever. So l- let me start off by giving you the good and evil idea or philosophy. Mm-hmm. So just as much as God is real and uh, we are saved by the blood of Christ, who is God and is real. And we now have the Holy Spirit, uh, who is God, living inside us and directing us. You also have an adversary that the Bible talks about, who is the devil. And the Bible says that he is as a roaring lion, seeking about whom he may devour. So the goal of the devil, he's the father of liars. He was a murderer from the beginning. He wants anybody in the world not to get saved once you are a christian and you are saved he wants you uh dead if he can't kill you then he wants you ineffective he doesn't want you doing anything for god he certainly doesn't want you preaching the gospel and seeing people saved and get baptized and being given a bible and taught the bible because that was the great commission that's what jesus told us to do go and preach you know, give everyone the gospel, get them baptized, get, you know, study them up in the Bible. Okay. So those are the steps one, two, and three that we read at the the end of Matthew chapter 28, right before Jesus ascends into heaven. So the devil doesn't want us doing those things. Because of that, any Christian that has found any excuse, I don't care what it is. And, and I hate giving a caveat. Okay. I really hate giving caveats. There are going to be people that don't go to church much, don't go to church almost ever, and I understand that. We have elderly people that we know that, you know, are part of our church that well enough to go. No, they're not. You know, they they have terrible eyesight, they can't see at night, you know, they're on medication, they're you know, you have all these different problems. And, you know, when they can't drive at night, you offer them a ride, but if they're not gonna take it, well, what else are you gonna do? Okay. So I do understand that there are plenty of people that have real difficulties with being able to make it to church. Um, With those folks aside, which is a very small amount, most people that most Christians that are not going to church, it is simply because the devil is winning. Now, Mm -hmm. I don't care what the reason is, but the reasons are usually a joke. Well, you're certainly not going to have to miss every single week. No. There isn't something that's going to get in the way every... Correct. Legitimately. Yeah. People die. People get sick. People, you know, there's a wedding out of town. You have a vacation. Okay. So life happens. But the fact is, the devil is just keeping these Christians from getting together and corporately worshiping God and getting around other Christians. Now... The question is, okay, so the devil's accomplished that. Really, what are they missing out on what's going on in their life? Glad you asked. Let's go to the Bible and let's see how it affects them. them. Okay. So we went over Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. (coughs) Just, uh, I don't know, at the beginning. Now we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 10. And most people, when they're talking about going to church, go right to verse 25, because verse 25 says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves Mm -hmm. together. 
which is a great verse, and we're going to end with that. But we're missing, you know, several other good verses. So I'm going to start in verse 19. I want to point out a couple of ideas here as we go along, and we'll end in verse 25. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. So we're talking about how there's a new way, we have new access, the blood of Jesus has saved us, the veil has been ripped in two, we have direct access from God. Okay, all this is great and very exciting news for those of us who get saved. And having an high priest over the house of God. Huh, house of God. What is the house of God? Yeah, because remember, okay, it's no longer the temple. The veil was ripped in two. Mm -hmm. And having an high priest over the house of God. Now, who is in charge of the church? Well, the Lord. Or how about this? Who's the head of the church, to use a Bible term? Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church. Having an high priest over the house of God, Jesus is over the house of God, Mm -hmm. okay, and this is the church, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. So it talks about the veil being torn, And we have this new thing, the house of God, which Jesus is the head of. And we are supposed to draw near, draw near what? The house of God. That's what we're talking about. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Do you understand that the gathering together with other Christians corporately in worship in a New Testament local church, that is part of our profession of faith. Sounds like it. When we get saved, we are supposed to be part of a group. Well, you're not part of a group if you never go and hang out with the group. You got it, okay? (laughs) Yeah. And it says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. So when we are in this house of God, which is part of our profession of faith, what are we supposed to be doing? We are supposed to consider one another and we are supposed to provoke one another to love and to good works. So how are you provoked onto love and onto good works if you are never in church? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. Verse 25 has the answer. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. So we're supposed to provoke one another onto love. We're supposed to provoke one another onto good works. And we are supposed to exhort one another. Those are things that happen in the New Testament local church but they do not happen outside of that. Yes, you can have a Christian friend, and that's great. But the fact is, you are forced into a position where you have a constant reminder that you are part of a group and you are expected to behave in a certain way. And when you get together in church, you have a constant reminder where you hit the reset button and you say, you know what? I was a jerk this week. Mm. I wasn't patient. I wasn't kind. I didn't. I was just a terrible person. I got to do better. God help me with this. And we start over. You have a constant reminder and you are around other Christians that want to do these things. So you have positive peer pressure. That is what the Christian gets when they're in church. And again, I would say that falls right in line, like I said before, with the model of the whole Bible. God has an organized system, a plan, whatever you want to call it, to keep you on track. And it's not this haphazard, whenever I happen to be around my Christian friend, it's he's got it set up the way we need it to be. Yes, we need a weekly reminder. God knows that. That's why he said there is a seven-day week. And you're going to take one day off and you're going to get together with other Christians and you are going to worship me. 
All right, um, let's see. If you go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, we're going to read a little bit more here. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned onto fables. Now here, Paul is talking to Timothy. Timothy is a pastor of a church, and Timothy is getting a little bit of a pep talk from Paul, and Paul is reminding Timothy to preach the word. Let me ask you this. Where was Timothy doing this? Well, in a synagogue or a church. In their church. Yeah. So Timothy was preaching the word in this church, and Paul says that he is to reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. So I would ask any Christian, where are you getting preaching if it is not in the church? Mm Mm-hmm. And and I'm going to be honest, any Christian that is not, you know, going to church, they are probably not reading their Bible and praying very regularly. They're probably not listening to pastors preaching the Bible or teaching the Bible, you know, on a podcast or a radio platform or watching YouTube videos, you know, about these things. They That usually slips away. Do you know why? Because it's easy to do if you don't have that constant reminder of who you are and how you're supposed to act. You know when it's easy to not go to the gym? When you haven't gone for a long time? When you haven't gone for a week or two. you don't feel like it? You got it. It's real (laughs) easy to just stay out of it. Okay. Right. Now, along with that, where are we going to get reproved, rebuked, exhorted? Where are we going to hear about doctrine? Are you going to hear about that on the news? Are there shows on Netflix that (laughs) talk about good doctrine? (laughs) Okay, do we hear about that on the radio or in movies? Do we hear about that in public school, government education? Where do we hear that? Yep, not even on good uh, conservative talk radio. Nope, you're not going to hear any of those things. Okay, and then Paul warns. He says there's a time coming when people are not going to endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, they're going to heap teachers with itching ears and they're going to turn away their ears from the truth mm-hmm. and be turned on to fables. Yeah. They'll find people who say what they already think. You got and it. And then they'll just listen yep. to it on a repeat, like a, what do you call those? An echo chamber. Echo chamber. Right. Where everyone just yeah. says what they want to hear. So if we stay out of church, Paul says that that is when we are going to start to stray away and we are going to find someone that tells us what we want to hear. Mm-hmm. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. And it's not going to be after sound doctrine. It's just going to be something that tickles our ears. And we're like, oh, I like that. That sounds nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's not what you're going to get in church. Yeah, you're going to get that in some churches. There are plenty of lame churches that are just a waste of time. And I'll tell you what, Zach and I were joking the other day. We were We were talking about... Christians who are in good churches, Christians who are in bad churches, and how there are lots of Christians in bad churches that don't want to leave because they've been there forever, they have friends there, that you know, all these different reasons, and they don't want to leave this church, even though they will say themselves, I have not been fed in that church in 20 years. Even though they will say when they visit another church with their friend, man, I'm on fire after I leave this place. This is awesome. They will not leave the bad place and go to the good place. And it's because they're used to it. They have friends there. They don't want to, you know. And Zach and I were joking about it. And it's like, yeah, I wonder what it would be like to just be a pastor of kind of a, you know, lame, old, below average church. And then he said, well, at least half of the churches have pastors that must think that because at least half of the churches are below average, right? Because average is right in the middle. Right. So That's true. 50% you know, right. of churches are below average. 
on some scale. You I got guess, it. Somewhere. <clears throat> yeah. So it would be it would be nice if there was a, a bell curve and most everyone was at the top and there yeah. was only a tiny bit that were lame and right. pathetic. <laughs> but the fact is, you, you, most of the time you're going to be leaving you know more of the realm of Christianity and going out into worldly unbiblical philosophies where you're going to have your you know your ears tickled and you're going to want to listen to that stuff. In a good church, you are going to be challenged. That is what reprove, rebuke, that's what those things are. You're going to be exhorted. You're going to be encouraged to keep going, keep doing these things. You are going to get sound doctrine. You don't get those things anywhere but church. And you're going to hear the people, oh, well, I listen to the radio, and I listen to Christian radio, and I listen to a Christian podcast, and I like these preachers, and that's where I get fed, and this and that. Okay, first of all, it's nonsense. You're not being held accountable. You don't have any positive peer pressure. You're not making friends. And this is this this is the really horrible, selfish thing about it that people don't even understand. When you don't go to church, who's supposed to be praying for these other people in the church? Yeah. You're one of them. Right. When you go to church, you you make a friend, you hear how they're doing, you can pray for them and their family members and whatever mm-hmm. else is going on in the world. When you right. don't go to church, guess what? You're missing out on your job you're supposed to be That's doing, right. Or you're so supposed to be. There's an emotional support mm-hmm. uh, element to this, too. Someone is supposed to see your face. You're supposed yep. to give them a hug. Yep. If it's a you know real in-person thing. Yes. Not to cut you off. But no, that's exactly the point is if you're not at church, it's not only you that's not getting something. Yeah. You are supposed to be a part of someone else's life and you're ripping off all these other Christians. That's no, that's exactly right. And God knew what we needed. We need people. (laughs) The phrase people need people is so silly sounding, but it's It's, true. It's true. No, it absolutely (laughs) is. Yep. Um, I don't know if that's a song. (laughs) <laughs> I think so. Uh, I don't even know what it was. Um, Go ahead. You got a, you got a question? Well, unless you had something else you wanted to say, I was kind of wondering, what could you say to the person who was badly hurt at church? Because it happens. Sure. And they don't go back. And they won't even try. So if you have... <clears throat> okay, so I'm going to give a one minute preface to this answer so number one people are only going to listen to you when they number one trust you number two believe that you love them and number three believe that you want the best for them so if you don't have that relationship with someone you're gonna you're not gonna be able to get in okay very easily you're gonna you're gonna struggle with that they're really not gonna listen to you too well if you have so I met with a friend of mine who happens to go to our church and I had breakfast with them over the weekend and I wasn't totally looking forward to it because I had a list of like three things to bring up and two of them were like bad. They were rebuke, you know, oriented. And I was like, yeah, I wonder how this is going to go. And as we were talking I asked them, I said, do you believe that I love you and I love your spouse and I love your children? And they're like, yeah. I said, do you believe that I want the best for all of you? And they said, yeah. I said, okay, then I have the right to talk to you about this. And, you know, you're going to take it as well as can be taken. So that's my preface. I want to make sure, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're talking to someone that you have liberty to talk to okay they you have influence in their life they will let you talk to them so typically i think the one of the best things to always do is ask a lot of questions start out with a lot of questions you know tell me about the hey you know you know you haven't been going to church anywhere in quite a while you know tell me about that okay and uh, um, they might get off onto the, you know, non-biblical nonsense of, you know, well, I don't feel like I have to go to church and da 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 And I don't argue those things because it's a waste of time. Well, tell me, where, where did that all start? You know, when did you stop going? You know, when was the last place you went to? You know, oh, okay. Oh, well, what happened there? See, you're trying to, you're trying to get into it and let them open up a little bit about what's going on. 
And one thing you can always do with people is you can share your experience, your strength, and your hope. Because no one can argue with those things. You know, and it's like, look, I'm, you know, I'm really sorry that you were hurt there and that's terrible. But I'll tell you what, um, you know, I would love to see you at church because you're an encouragement to me. And it would be nice to see you on, you know, a regular basis. I know you used to really enjoy the Bible and studying the Bible, you know, um, and I know that person X was a jerk and hurt you and i'm sorry about Mm -hmm. that but you know let me tell you my pastor loves me and the people i go to church with you know they're sweet as pie um you know i i just want you to you know consider it and um i'd really like you to come and be my guest sometime at church and i don't know maybe you'll find out that um there are christians out there that really do love you and will support you and will be a help in your life and won't be such a jerk like that last guy So you can always go about it, you know, in that manner. Uh, And then the biggest thing to do is you got to pray for these people. Uh, So much more important than debate is prayer. Because the fact is, here's the thing, okay? I don't care how arrogant this sounds. uh, I know the Bible. I know what the Bible says. And when I do don't know exactly what the bible says i know how to find it so whenever i'm trying to talk to someone and they believe x and i believe y i know i'm right because i know what the bible says but trying to convince them of why when they believe x it doesn't matter how right i am it doesn't matter how many bible verses there are to support my side they're not necessarily going to listen to anything that I say. But there's one with all power and authority. And he wants them to be on his side and the Bible side. So I need to go to God and I need to pray for these people and I need to pray for them a lot. And I certainly need to pray for them a lot before I get into it with them. And I mean, I've seen this happen both ways where I brought stuff up and I didn't, you know, pray about it a whole bunch leading up to it. And it was just a train wreck. Yeah, it wasn't really good. And I've had other times where I really turned it over to God and, um, you know, I would bring something up and this person would be like, oh, man, I was just talking to my wife about that. You know, and it's like, wow, look at that. You know, where the husband brought it up to the wife and the wife told the husband what I just told him two days later, you know, (laughs) it's like, okay, you're being ganged up on here because the Holy spirit is working on you and the Holy spirit's involved with this plan. And it just took a loving pastor to, you know, bring something up and encourage someone to take a step in the right direction. And all of a sudden, boom, they're ready to go. So, you know, those are the things that I would say, but the fact is, proving to someone that they are not living the way the bible says they should be living doesn't help them change their direction i'm just wondering you know if there's anything you could do to help somebody along no i mean those are the only things i do okay i try to make sure that i'm a real friend to them and that that unfortunately that doesn't happen quickly okay (laughs) so that takes some time um and then they're going to trust me and they're going to know that I love them and I'm going to pray for them and then I'm going to bring it up and maybe it goes well and maybe it doesn't but I'm also going to try to make sure that it's on God's timing and not mine you know one thing that I've learned as a pastor is you can see uh you know the dumb things people are doing in their life that is hurting themselves and their family but that doesn't mean they're going to listen to you if you bring it up you know uh, sometimes you can see a direction someone's going and it's like, oh man, that is going to be a train wreck. But again, if, uh, if God's not in it and the timing's not there and the people don't, you know, they aren't going to listen, you can always try. But the fact is you can wave people down and tell them that the bridge is out and they're just going to go speeding on by and drive right on the river. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, that that's one thing 
that I've learned as a pastor, and it's a terribly frustrating thing. Uh, but some people have to go through some hard times and some, you know, dumb mistakes to get where God wants them. And you got to remember, when someone is hurt and they leave church and they're kind of in the wilderness for a little while, okay, and let's look at Moses murdering the Egyptian, you know, fleeing Egypt, and he was gone for 40 years before he heard the voice of God and saw the burning bush. I have to imagine God had some lessons Moses needed to learn in those 40 years because just a little bit after that in the book of Exodus, we find out that Moses, or no, I think in the book of Deuteronomy, so at the end of his life, we read that Moses was the most meek man in the history of planet Earth. And that meant that he looked at others and their needs above his own and he thought about and cared for others instead of any selfish desires or thoughts and that's exactly what was needed to get those couple million you know extremely rebellious bad attitude jews out of egypt and into the promised land through the wilderness for 40 years and moses was just the guy to do it and i imagine that he learned those lessons in the 40 years that he was, you know, tending sheep for his father or his father-in-law. I don't know, but it just also reminds me that when someone gets hurt and they leave church and they're kind of in the wilderness, they might need to be there for a little while. And God has a plan and he needs to work on them. So, you know, sometimes we're going to have to wait. We're going to have to talk to them several times because they just don't care. So I I just have to remember that as well. But when it is God's time and it has been bathed in prayer and you feel the Holy Spirit pushing you to do it, boy, it seems to work out really easily. And God, God wants them back. Just like the prodigal son, we read about the shepherd leaves the 90 and nine to go get the one stray sheep. We know that God wants these people back worshiping him, worshiping him in church with other Christians that can be an encouragement to them that they can encourage god wants all that but the prodigal son wasn't ready to come home until he was you know sleeping with the pigs eating the husks left over from you know in living in the slop so something else i just got to remember is just because i want them back doesn't mean they're ready to go Makes sense. Did that help? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. We are at an hour. Is now a good time to shut it down? I don't have anything else. Okay. So, so uh, everybody, I appreciate for, uh, you folks tuning in. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us this evening. I'm sorry mm-hmm. I didn't give you more time to talk. I feel like no. I just, you know, bulldozed through the whole thing. But you had some good questions that uh, I think a lot of our listeners probably had. Uh, folks, just remember... All you got to do is get on Google and search Bible Thumper Podcast. That's it. Just search for Bible Thumper Podcast. You're going to find a Facebook page and a YouTube channel. You'll find us on Apple and Spotify. You'll find us all over the internet. My name is Patrick Hayes. You can email me at BibleThumperPodcast at gmail.com. And if there are any uh, topics that you would like discussed, please send me an email, send me a message. Uh, you can send messages through the Facebook page or make comments on the YouTube videos. We'd love to tackle any topics that, you know, you want tackled. We are live every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. And then you can download, um, listen to, share, please like and comment on the podcast And that helps get that podcast shared in front of other people. So we appreciate everyone being with us. And we will say have a great week. And uh, we will catch you next Sunday night, as I said before, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Central. Have a great week.